0: Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be with all of you, and great for those of you joining us online. Uh, let me ask a question of you, and obviously those of you online, you'll just have to message and we'll see it later, but for those of you in, in, in the room here, how many of you love to make plans? All right. Good. I'm, I'm like taking notes because I'm not a good planner, so I'm like looking at people that can help me later on. Um, no, but, but so here's the question that we wrestle with, what do we do when, when our plans get changed on us? All right, I'm not talking about when we change our plans, right? Because sometimes we make plans and then we have to make changes, but when our plans get changed for us, all right, that's an that's entirely different thing, right? because right, it's one thing to make plans and then have to adjust them, but another when somebody else changes your plans for you. And what we're going to talk about today is, is this whole idea of what, what happens when God changes your plans. Because we're going through the book of Acts and we're following the story of Paul, uh, he had some clear plans. And, and as we see in this passage, God just changed his plans for him. And, and we're like, how do we handle that? What do we do in those, those circumstances? Because as we look through Acts, again, Paul has been used by God to travel all around the known world, spreading the gospel, planning churches, encouraging people. And as we come to this part in Acts 22, we see those plans just like hijacked and completely changed. So we got a big chunk of scripture today. Uh, we're starting, we got, we got four chapters, 152 verses. All right, so let's go. Here you go, all right, so starting out, the crowd listened and tit. No, we're not gonna read the whole thing. All right, we don't have time. So this is actually, for those of you online, like this is your perfect, this is your advantage, right? pause, you can read these four chapters, and then hit play, and you can join us, all right? For those of you in-house, you just have homework, all right? And, and, I, and I'm serious about that. I, I want to challenge you that, that later today, or maybe this week, I want to challenge you to go and read these four chapters. Read them. Read the story of Paul, and what happens to him is he's locked up, and he's in jail, and, and the things that happen. All right, a couple weeks ago, we talked about the, the church, the Bereans, and as Paul went and he preached to them, they listened intently, but then what did they do? They went back and they checked, right? They didn't just take Paul's word. They went back and they examined the scriptures. They said, what does God's word say? Does, does what Paul is saying match up? And I challenge you guys to do the same thing as, as I share from God's word today, that, that you would listen, but then that you would go back to God's word and you would check and you'd read it. So there's, your, there's homework assignment number one. Right. Sometimes we go back and read through these four chapters. All right, and in the meantime, we'll kind of we'll we'll kind of do a, a little recap for you. Because the context of the story, we've got Paul who's been traveling again all over the world. This, he's already had three missionary journeys uh, as he's gone all throughout a- Asia Minor and Greece, and he's been planning churches. He's been uh, encouraging the churches, and now he's in Jerusalem. And if, if you remember back to where we were last week, for those of you who are new, this is kind of where we were. And, if, and for those of you who are like me and just forget what happened a week ago, here's where we were. Paul goes to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he gets arrested, and kind of a riot starts up, and, uh, and he's before all of the Jewish leaders, and he, and he just shares his testimony. So last week, we talked about that. What, what is Paul's story as he shared his story? And now here in the end of chapter 22, we just see the, this story continue, and we're going to see what happened to Paul over the next couple of years. And so how did he end up here? How did Paul end up in this place where he's now under guard? Paul had some clear plans. Paul made some really clear plans that, that were God-honoring plans. And, and he actually shared with us, if you, if you look in Romans chapter 15, verses 23 to 26, Paul on his way to Jerusalem writes, he's probably in Ephesus, and he writes this letter to send off to the church in Rome to encourage them. And right at the end of the book in chapter 15, he kind of lets them in. Here's his plans. And he tells them, I'm headed to Jerusalem right now, and I've got, I'm I'm carrying a a big offering that the the churches in Macedonia collected an offering. They want to send it to the church in Jerusalem to, to care for the poor. And so Paul's got the privilege of, of being the one who transports this gift to the church in Jerusalem. And then he tells him, here's what's going to happen. After I go to Jerusalem and drop off this gift, I'm going to come and visit you in Rome. I'm going to come to encourage you guys. And then that, that's not my end goal. My goal is not to come to Rome to spend time with you. My goal is to spend time with you on the way as I, I then go to Spain. I want to go to Spain because Spain needs the gospel. There's all these people throughout the area of Spain who, who haven't understood the truth about who Jesus is. So my plan is I'm going to go there and I'm going to spread the gospel. I'm going to plant churches and, and then who knows what's next, right? Paul probably had more plans laid out after that, but he shared that with the, the, the church in Rome as he wrote the letter. It was a good plan, right? There's nothing wrong with that plan, right? It, it was a God-honoring plan. The people in Spain needed to hear the gospel, Paul was very effective at, at encouraging churches, and he'd been spending the last couple of years going to different churches, encouraging them. So to stop by Rome, who he had heard about them, he had heard about their faith, and he wanted to encourage that church. Those were good things. But God changed his plan. So has, has this ever happened to you? Have you ever found yourself in a spot where, where you had... You had some clear plans laid out, and, and, and you're a preacher, sure, man, this is what I think God wants us to do. This is what God wants me to do. He's given me a heart for this. He's gifted me in this way. I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. And then God changes it all on you, right? Things outside of your control happen that completely alter your plans. You know, so, uh, sickness happens. Maybe like a, a worldwide pandemic like shuts everything down right, alters your plans, hey, Maybe it's a, a job loss or something unforeseen that you weren't planning on that all of a sudden happens completely out of your control, and, and, and you're stuck with, what do I do? What do I do? Paul's plan was interrupted when he was arrested, and he's placed under arrest. He had clear plans to go to Rome, go to Spain, continue to spread the gospel, and now he finds himself locked up and his whole future is determined by people outside of him, right? He's under false charges. Because again, when we look last week, Paul goes into the temple and this whole riot breaks up, so the the Roman guards come in and and take him, and then what happens in these these four chapters, again, the ones that you're going to read later, right? Paul goes and, and he's about to be beaten when he tells them he's a Roman citizen. Suddenly so they, they realize that they can't beat a Roman citizen with no charges against him. So they kind of wait. And then there's this whole plot, a bunch of the Jewish leaders t- make this vow that they're not going to eat or drink until they've murdered Paul. Somehow, Paul's nephew hears about it and lets him know and, and so the, the Roman guard sends him down to the governor in Caesarea under armed escort, kind of in the secret of night to, to save Paul. And then Paul, before the Roman governor gets to present his case, is the, the high priest comes down and a lawyer and they kind of make this argument against Paul. And, and then for two years, Paul's in prison. And over the course of those two years, multiple times he gets to come and, and present his case to the governor and, and, and make a defense of himself. Then after two years, the governor retires or moves on and as a favor to the Jews, leaves Paul locked up. And so then Paul gets to present his case to a whole new governor and then to a king and eventually makes an appeal to Caesar and, and gets to, to travel on to, to Rome here at the end of the chapter. So, for over two years, Paul's locked up, and his plan is just destroyed. So before we get much further and get into the meat of what I want to talk about today, there, there's this big question that's just is kind of looming in this passage. is What do we do with our plans? How do we make plans? Paul, Paul made clear plans of what he believed God wanted him to do, and, and, and they just get shredded. You you've probably Many of you have probably heard the phrase, right? Like, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. Right? This idea that, man, I'm, I've got some clear plans. Let me tell you, God. And God just laughs like, you don't know the future. Right? I, there's a lot of truth to that, right? Because as we make plans, and we make plans and try to control things, we are not God. God's in control, we're not. And so as we make those plans, we try to hold to them too tightly. Oftentimes we can be outside of the will of God, right? Paul made clear plans and God was like, no. But I think there, there is a, a part of that, fra- that, that little saying that, that doesn't sit right there because, because it doesn't line up with the nature of God that we see in, in the rest of scripture. Because God doesn't look at our plans and laugh at us. I don't think that's who God is see, as, as a father, my, my son Theodore, who's eight, for the last couple years has been telling us his career plans. And I, I love his career plans. They're, they're very clear. He's laid them out. Uh, he is moving to Australia, and he's, he's going to become Steve Irwin. All right? But he's thought through it enough to tell us that he's, he's going to stay away from stingrays. right? right? He's got this laid out. That's his plan. All right? And as a father... As a human, sinful father who's often selfish, who can get annoyed with my kids, who can get tired, and all of those things, right? When I hear him tell me his plans, I don't laugh at his plans. I don't tell him how, all, here's all the mistakes in your plans, right? Here's why this isn't going to work. What I, what I do as a father is I look at his plans and I'm like, man, God has created in my son this love for his creation, Right? This idea, even now, even though there's not crocodiles in this part of the world, like if he sees a lizard or a frog or a snake, he is jumping on it. And he's going to capture it and then he's going to ask to bring it home. Right? Like that's part of who he is. He loves learning about God's creation, he loves caring for things. Like, and he sees that in this character, Steve and he wants to do that. And so as a father, I don't like laugh at his plans. I see his heart and the way God has wired him, and I want to cultivate that in him, right? I want to encourage that in him, right? And hopefully keep him from Australia and keep him nearby, right? All those things that parents want to do, right? But I think that, that's how God sees us, right? Because God is our father, But unlike me, who is a human and sinful and makes mistakes, God is perfect in his love for us. And so as we tell God our plans, he doesn't laugh at us. I think God sees our heart and he sees the things in us that he made in us that reflect him. And his desire for us is to cultivate those things. And so as Paul tells God his plan, God, here's what I want to do. There's this whole area of Spain and who knows what, I don't even know where the rest of the world is, but there are people out there who don't know your love for us. God, there's all these people who don't realize the truth about what Jesus did for us. They, they, God, that you came, that you rescued us. That you've made a way for us to become right with you and be adopted as your sons and daughters. God, I want to go and tell them all. God, I'm going I'm to get on a boat and I'm going to go. I don't, know, I don't care what languages I have to learn. I don't care if people like, run me out of cities with spears. I am going. God didn't laugh at his plans. God, God's like, that's how I made you, Paul. I created in you this heart for the lost. That's how God loves us. That's how God sees us. Because Paul's plans weren't selfish or sinful. They demonstrated his heart for the world. And yet God still changed Paul's plan, and he, he changed the course of what Paul was thinking, because this is what I have planned for you. God. God is still God. So again, that's a a huge topic that we could spend a long time talking about. So here's homework assignment number two. All right. I encourage you in the sermon guide this week, you can get that online. There's a whole series of, of questions and, and passages to look up to wrestle with. It's like, how do we make plans and still honor God? Right? How do we make plans that, and, and surrender them to God? Like, God, here's what I want to do. How do we, how do we walk that line between playing God and, and making plans and then getting frustrated when they don't work? And, and how do we make plans that, that surrender to God's will? So I'd encourage you, I know a lot of the life groups aren't meeting right now because of Christmas, but I'd encourage you, even on your own, just to, to get that summer good and wrestle through those scriptures and understand what is it, how do we do that well? All right, so there's, there's homework assignment number two for you all. But here's where I want to go with the message today, because as we see this happen, as we see Paul's plans change, uh, and as we know that happens to us, well, when our plans get changed for us, Paul, as a human, probably asked all those questions, like, God, what are you doing? I got, I think, I thought we had this worked out. Here's the, here's the plan. And why am I in jail right now? Because if I'm in jail, I can't go to Spain. Right, God, why, there, there's work to be done. Why do you have me locked up here? There were, probably, there were probably days of discouragement, all of those things. Paul, Paul was just like us. And yet, Paul lived an incredibly obedient life to Christ. And so, as we look at this passage of Scripture, as we see what Paul did, really the question is Paul sets an example for us. So, what can we learn from Paul's example? Right? And, and each of us, as we follow Jesus, how do we learn from the example of those around us? Paul sets an example for us as we imitate Christ. And so what I want to do today is look at how did Paul surrender his plans to Christ? How did Paul learn to follow Christ, and, and how can we learn from that? In his letter to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul tells them, follow my examples, I follow the example of Christ. And so that's what we want to do this morning. We're going to look at how did Paul handle this. How did Paul handle the fact that his plans got completely changed on him? I think there's four lessons that we can learn from Paul's example. That's what we're going to spend our, the rest of our morning on. So the first one: Paul wasn't paralyzed by mission failure. Right, Paul had this clear mission: going to Rome, going to Spain, spread the gospel, plant churches, and that failed. He gets locked up and he spends over two years in prison and then gets shipped off to Rome. He ends up in Rome, right, but not under the plan that he had made. Paul's plan failed. So why? And here's not, not just that, not only his plan failed, but, but this has been kind of under attack for a while. As Paul's been planning churches, it seemed like every city that he went to, there was opposition. Every time he went to a new, church, new city, he'd, he'd start spreading the gospel, and a church would start to form up. but then pretty soon opposition would arise, and, and that often ended up with Paul being run out of town, being stoned to death, being imprisoned, all these different things. There was constant persecution for Paul. And not only that, now that there's more churches, God started to rise up, raise up new leaders, and all of a sudden there's competition, and in some of these churches they're like, oh, well, we like Apollos better. Paul, you're great, but man, Apollos is a much better preacher. We like him better. All right, well, now we got Priscilla and Aquila, and God's raising up these leaders. Paul's position is all of a sudden under attack, right? He's, he's being replaced. And now he's in jail. But here's the thing. Paul wasn't paralyzed by mission failure because even though his plans were interrupted, Paul was never sidelined. What we see of Paul is in these two years in prison, Paul didn't wallow in prison, saying, woe is me. God, how could you let this happen to me? I'm, I'm Paul. I'm, I'm the best missionary. I'm the one that you need to go do all this stuff. What do you got me locked up here for? Right? He didn't complain about the unfair charges that were being laid against him. He didn't, he didn't, get, he, he didn't wallow He didn't spend his time saying, I'm supposed to be doing this, right? Fill in the blank. I'm supposed to be heading off to Rome. I'm supposed to be heading off to Spain. I'm supposed to be doing all of these things. How could you let this happen, right? How could things be so wrong? How, how did I miss everything so much, right? He didn't sit there and say, hey, until this happens, I'm just going to sit here. Right? God, do you want me to be your missionary for Spain? Great. Well, go ahead and let me go, and, and I'll just wait. Right? I'm, just, I'm, I'm fine. I can sit here all day. Just, just release me. See what I can do, right? They, Paul didn't, didn't take either of those approaches. He didn't see that he was sidelined. Right? And this, this wasn't anything new for Paul, right? As we just it, he just talked about, he's constantly been under attack. And he said, he showed us what he could do in, in, in Philippi when he gets arrested, and he gets thrown in jail, he gets beaten. What does Paul do in jail? Paul and Silas chained together, start singing. They start worshiping God in the midst of of jail, right? They're beaten, probably being hadn't been cared for, and they spend their night in jail worshiping God. I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. We'll, we'll, We'll be back and forth with Acts, but I want you to look here in Philippians chapter 1. And read with me verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul writes to the church in Philippi from jail, probably in Rome. And what's he say to them? Confident of this, that God isn't done. God who began a good work in you will carry out to completion. You see, Paul had learned to trust God, even when it didn't make sense. He had learned to trust God even when the situation seemed to be otherwise. He had learned to trust God even when his plans failed. He had learned to trust God even when he was under attack, because he knew that God's plans don't fail. God's plans never fail. And so, even though Paul's mission failed, he wasn't paralyzed by that because he knew that God's plans didn't fail. And that's what he rested in. So, with that truth tucked away, what did Paul do? When Paul's plans got thrown out, what was the second thing he did? He remained faithful. Paul never stopped. He saw new opportunities. He saw, hey, I'm in prison now, my mission's over. Well, it wasn't that his mission was over. He's like, well, what I thought was my mission is over. I must have understood things incorrectly. God, I thought you wanted me to go to Spain. Clearly that's not happening because the guards won't let me leave. So there must be something here. And Paul remained faithful. Continue on Philippians chapter 1, jump down to verse 12. Again, writing to the church of Philippi, look what Paul says He said, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clearer throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So again, after his two years in, in Israel in jail, he then gets shipped off to Rome. And it's, it's probably from Rome in prison that, that Paul writes this letter. But after all that time, what does he say? it's become clear to me that what happened to me, me being in jail, has actually served to advance the gospel. I thought the plan should be for me to go to Spain, but clearly God had different plans. And look what's happening. The whole palace guard knows why I'm in jail. They know it's because of Christ. And not only that, but all the other brothers and sisters in Christ have become encouraged to be bold in their faith because of me. You see, Paul started to see new opportunities. Again, clear plan, go to Spain, plant churches, gets her in jail, new plan. We got, we got, to, we got to roll with things. God's got something new here. Let's figure out what it is. Well, here's a couple of, the, here's a couple of the opportunities. You got Governor Felix who comes and gets to sit and, and hear my case. And Paul proclaims the gospel to him on multiple accounts over those couple of years. Then Governor Festus, same thing, gets to present the gospel to him, share with him the hope of the gospel. And then King Agrippa and his wife Bernice come and sit in, and Paul gets to share the gospel with them. Time and time again, opportunities to proclaim the truth of who God is. And not only that, but there's soldiers whose job it is to stand next to Paul. And guess what those soldiers heard? The good news about who Jesus is. And Paul continued to proclaim the gospel. Here's the new, Paul writes to the church, I've come to see that me being locked up has advanced the gospel because look at all the people who now know the truth about who Jesus is. I thought people in Spain need to, and yeah, they still need to know. But look at all these people that I was overlooking that needed to hear the gospel. And God's given me the opportunity to tell them. Not only that, but in these years that Paul's in prison, he wrote letters. Right? We're, ta- we're reading in Philippians right now. Philippians, one of the three prison epistles that Paul probably wrote from Rome when he was in prison. He wrote Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians to those churches to encourage them while locked up. There are probably other letters, right? We've seen some of the other letters that Paul wrote. But during those two years, I'm sure that Paul took advantage of that time to send encouragement to the other churches. And he sent encouragement to his fellow workers And Paul took that time while he was locked up to to write encouragement. Because I think Paul bought into this idea that there's no such thing as lost time. Paul didn't see his imprisonment as being like a timeout where I guess I got to just wait because God's got plans for me and, and as soon as I'm out, I can use it. And I can go and start to be useful for him. There's no such thing as lost time, just wasted time. And Paul didn't waste the time that he was in jail. He didn't waste the opportunities that being locked up provided him to be a witness for Jesus in places that he never would have been able to go. And so he used his time well. And I love, here's here's another assignment for you guys, another homework assignment. In each of those three prison epistles in Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians, right at the start of them, as Paul writes these letters from prison, locked up with his plans changed, he writes letters to these churches encouraging them. And each of those letters starts out with this big prayer. So starting Ephesians 1, starting in verse 15, Philippians 1, 3, Colossians 1, 3. Go and read through those, those prayers that Paul has for the churches. And it's so cool, because as he encouraged the the churches, he talks about how he's been faithfully praying for them. Paul used all that time that he was locked up, days on end, sitting in a jail cell, praying for the churches around the world. Faithful in prayer for them. So here's a question. As Paul saw that God still had a plan, he was faithful, what, what kept him going? Why could he keep going year after year, locked up? Even after one governor retires, and again, as a favor to the Jews, we're just going to keep Paul locked up. What kept him going? I think it's the third thing is that even through all this, Paul didn't doubt that God had a purpose. Paul clearly understands God has a purpose for me. God has a purpose that will not be thwarted. And so Paul never stopped pursuing what God called him to do. Even though his plans got changed, even though his clear picture of what he thought was going to happen got taken away, it didn't stop Paul from saying, God, what can I do? How can you use me? What do you have for me? In his letter to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 1.11, it said, he works everything out to the purpose of his will. God works everything out to the purpose of his will, not my will, not Paul's will, not any of our will. It's his will. And Paul clung to that and knew that. that it didn't matter if Paul's plans failed because God's plans don't. God's purpose never stopped. And so, Paul's big plans to encourage the church in Rome, to plant hundreds of churches throughout Spain and anywhere else he can go again, Paul, God didn't laugh at Paul's plans. But God said, I've got, I've got different plans for you, Paul. I've got a different purpose for you. And Paul clung to the hope of that. Because it wasn't all of Spain that needed to hear the gospel from Paul. It was, it was all the government officials who brought him before him to listen to his case. It wasn't all the people throughout Spain and beyond that needed to hear the gospel from Paul. It was the crew of ordinary Roman soldiers who got to go and spend days on end with Paul and guard him and stand next to him, probably chained to him at times. Towards the end of the passage in Acts that we were looking at, Acts 26 verses 29, right towards the end of his imprisonment before he gets shipped off to Rome, uh, King Agrippa comes in and his wife Bernice and and with the governor, they, they sit there and they listen to Paul present his case and Paul just argues the gospel. And he explains to them the hope of the gospel. And and it's interesting that that King Agrippa interrupts Paul and says, wait, in in just this little bit of time, do you expect that you can convince me to be a Christian? Is that what you're trying to do here? And, And look at Paul's response in verse 29. Paul says, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today become what I am except for these chains. Paul is like, you caught me. My whole goal is that anyone who will listen to me, all of you, would come to know what I know, that God loves us, that God sent his son to die for us. That because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have direct access to God and we are adopted as sons and daughters. Our whole life has been turned upside down because of the gospel. And yes, I want all of you to know that. I want all of you to become like that. Minus the chains, be like me, surrender their life to Jesus. That was Paul's heart. That was Paul's goal. God's purpose for us may not be some big grand purpose. It may be something small like sharing the gospel with the person next to us at work. God's plans may not be to use us to to plant churches throughout whole other countries. Maybe it's just to be a light for the gospel in our neighborhood. To show Jesus to the people in our family. Maybe God's purpose for us is to raise up our kids and tell them the good news about Jesus. You see, oftentimes I think we're like Paul. We're just like, I'm going to do great things for God. And God's like, that's great, but I, I want you to do this. This is what I'm calling you to do. God's purpose never ends. You see, I think Paul started through his, in, his imprisonment in all of Jerusalem, in, in Israel. And then as he gets shipped off to Rome, I, I think he started to realize that his imprisonment was God's plan for him. And that he wasn't a prisoner, but God was just, had the, he didn't have to go out and spread the gospel. He was sending people to him. Paul could just sit there in the comfort of his jail cell and God would just keep bringing people to him that he could tell the gospel to. And he could point people to Jesus. Now, before I get to the final point here, just this, this random thought that I couldn't get out of my head this week. As I read this story and I think about Paul being locked up, sometimes I just have to wonder. Paul was such, he, he was so driven like so motivated to just go, 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 right? Who needs to hear the gospel? Where is it? I'm going. Where, when when's the ship leave? Let's go. Oh, it's like hostile territory. Risk our let, let's go, right? He was always on the move, and, and sometimes I wonder if God was like Paul. I want you to write down my words because it'll encourage the churches, not just the churches that you're writing to you, but those words are going to be preserved. And and in 2021 in Dubuque, my followers are going to be reading the words that you wrote. It's the way that I'm going to speak to them. I'm going to show them what it means to follow me. I need you to write these. And Paul's like, yeah, but these people need to hear the gospel. Let's go. And God's like, all right, time out. Let me just lock you up in prison for a little bit so you can actually do the writing that I'm calling you to do. Right, sometimes I wonder if God's plan for Paul is like, God, I, I need you to slow down and write for me. Because I've got words that I want to I use through you. You're the tool that I want to use. Paul's like, that's awesome. Let's go to Spain. God's like, whoa. <laughs> right, I think sometimes God does that. Right? He they, they helps us to slow us down to, to do what he's called us to do. Right, we're, so, we're so on mission to do something that God's got to like, pump the brakes. He tells us to pump the brakes. When we don't pump the brakes, he stops us. <laughs> and so sometimes I read through the story, and I'm like, man, is that, is that what God was doing with Paul? Not only did God have this purpose for him to share the gospel with all these guys, but maybe God was just like, slow down, because I need you to do this. All right, let's get back on. All right, so the, la- the last thing that I think we need to learn from Paul's example of how he handled this is that that in all of this, in all the change of plans, Paul maintained an eternal focus. He maintained an eternal perspective. Paul didn't quit even though everyone was opposed to him, even though he was locked up, even in the face of every opposition that came against us, because he never gave up because he understood what God was up to. It wasn't about Paul. It wasn't about Paul becoming the most famous missionary of all times. It wasn't about Paul being the most effective missionary. Uh, person to, to spread the gospel. No, it was, about, it was about God's kingdom. It was about God's purpose, God's plans. Paul saw that he was just the tool that God was using. So, again, let's look back at Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 26. As Paul writes to the church, he says this, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. Paul rejoiced that the gospel was being spread, that that Christ, the truth about who Christ is, is being preached, and people are hearing the gospel. Their lives change. He says, I rejoice. He says, yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but is more necessary for you that I remain in this body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Paul writes to the church and says, I'm torn. He he demonstrates his heart that, man, I I know that it's not about me. It's not about my plans. It's it's about what God is doing. And so he says, I know that if I get to stay here in this body, then I'm just going to continue to serve the church. I want more and more people to come face to face with the good news about Jesus. And I'm going to do everything in my ability to make sure more and more people know, and I'm going to do everything in my ability to continue to encourage the churches. And he said, but on the other hand, if I die, that's all the better. Because it's not about this life. It's not about what we do here. It's all about Christ. And he says, when I die, I going to go and be face to face with my savior forever. That's the goal. That's the end goal, and he saw that. He understood, and he had this eternal perspective that it wasn't about his time in jail. He's like, God, how can you use me while I'm here in this body, knowing that someday I'll be face to face with you in eternity, forever with you because of Jesus? Jim Elliott, who is a missionary in South America, is famous for this quote. He said, he is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Like Paul, Jim Elliot knew. he's like, This, this world, I, 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 I'd be a fool to try to, to, to maintain and keep everything here because in the end, it's all going to be gone. This life is a vapor, it'll be gone in a moment. But eternity is what matter. And because of Christ, I can't lose that, so that's what I'm going to fight for. He had an eternal perspective. And so as our plans get changed, as our life gets turned upside down, what do we do? How do we surrender our plans to God? How do we live faithfully when when everything seems out of control? How do we gain an eternal perspective? How do we we learn to do that? We've got the example of Paul. And we learn to surrender our life to Jesus. Jesus. We learn to surrender our life, not just once and for always, but day by day, moment by moment, learn to surrender to Jesus. Because He's God. He's in control. And as we learn to surrender our plans to Him and let Him take over, He will. And God's plans will not fail. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for the good news of the Gospel. We thank you that the gospel simply means that, that because of, of who you are and what you did, that you have made a way for us to be made right with you as we surrender our lives to you, as we repent of our sins and, and cling to you. And God, So we, we pray that that, that truth would just, would just take over. It would pervade every, every aspect of our life, every, every thought that we have, that we would surrender it to you. And God, you would show us what it means to live obediently to you, that you would use us for your glory, for the advancement of of your gospel in this place, that more and more people would would come to understand who you are and your love for them because you choose to use us. God, we pray that your church would grow as, as lives are transformed by the gospel. God, we pray that all would come to know who you are. Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen.